Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live sports for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B L E A V BELIEVE to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Welcome to Believe in Celtics, brought to you by Bet Online. I'm your host, Warren Shaw. He is the great Gary Washburn, and we are host and resource for everything Boston Celtics this season. Gary, crazy, crazy week um, that we just finished. You know, not so crazy ahead, hopefully, but how's everything been on your side, family? Yeah, great, great. A lot of great basketball, a lot of exciting basketball, interesting basketball. And obviously, that Saturday night game against the Lakers, uh, one that will go down in the history as one of the more interesting and, uh, you know, exciting, but also just uh, fascinating games and things you've never seen before happened to that night at TD Garden in that Celtic-Laker rivalry. So, uh, you know, just when you thought you had it all, everything was done and everything, you know, you, you've seen it all with the Celtics rivalry and the Lakers rivalry. You hadn't. Nope. So nope. there's more to come. Yeah, I mean, two classic games against, you know, the, the Lakers this season, really. And, you know, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute, but I just kind of have to laugh because after all the controversy, you know, to just kind of see NBA TV, like play, Hey, is our, like our featured game of the week? Like they played it like four times. I was like, you might want to hide that one a little bit. The association won't be too ha- happy with that. The referee association and the <laughs> union won't be too happy with like all the bad calls and yeah, all the, all the controversy and the, you know, Eric Lewis, the lead official, looked like he was – he had a tough night. You know, he had a real tough night. Yeah, bro. And then the referee tweets after the fact. And, oh, man. Anyway, all right. We got to get to that. But yeah. so <laughs> we're going to, uh, you know, break things down here. Obviously, talk about Celtics rivalry week. Um, that Laker game will be a heavy part of our conversation. Uh, we'll get into the week ahead on the Geno Times second game against Brooklyn Nets and Phoenix Suns, two teams that have some maybe some angst against Boston as well, too. So almost rivalry will continue to some degree. Um, but we're going to introduce a new segment on this week's edition, and we're going to call it Washburn's Whispers. Yes. You know, what we're going to do is more or less get Gary's take on kind of like the inner workings of the team, especially as we're leading up here to the trade deadline. So before we do that, let's get to our plugs. As always, make sure you give our show a five-star rating. On whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on, follow Gary on Twitter at G Washburn Globe. Follow me on Twitter at Shaw Sports NBA, and make sure you're following everything you know on Believe at Believe Network or at Believe Sports. And make sure you're giving our our folks at Battle Line you know some love as well too. So, I know working title. You know, you know. Again, I told people, I told Gary before, like I like alliteration, but we'll see. But we want to go with Washburn's yeah. whispers, right? What the listeners and the, and the viewers think about that? If not. Give us some suggestions. Yes, so sir. Make it, make it clean. Make it clean. Make it, oh, please, please make it clean. <laughs> <laughs> so what we want to hear now, Gary, is just kind of like what what are some inner workings that you're hearing around the team, especially as we lead up to the trade deadline? Um, obviously, we've spoken a lot about what we think they may need, front court depth, stretch four, something like that, or five. Um, 
Obviously, the news, you know, with, with Jaka Pertle a couple of weeks ago, talks about Peyton Pritchard, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just kind of what are you hearing after they cleared that roster spot with Noah Vonley a few weeks ago? Anything that the Celtics should Celtics faithful should be looking forward to as the trade deadline approaches here on February 9th. Yeah, I mean, I think, okay, so like we're we're rolling up right on it, Warren. Like the trade deadline's next Thursday, February yep. 9th. I mean, it's it's not, I think you know, we're used to it kind of happening. Landing during the All Star game, which is like a week and a you know ten days later, so we're used to that. But all the trade deadlines now, good full week before the All Star break, so watch out. I mean, this is this is creeping up. I think the Celtics are looking for one another wingman. I think a guy who come off the bench, hit some buckets, play a little defense, six 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 seven. Um, the guy that I think that they should get. Okay, I'm going to put this out there. I, I wrote this as Terrence Ross from Orlando Magic. Now, Terrence Ross makes $11.5 million, so it would be uh, trade is unlikely. Buyout might be likely because from what I've looked at, Ross is out of the rotation in Orlando. The, the, the Magic are going young, um, and especially now, as you saw, you're down there, uh, Warren, with Jonathan Isaac back in the fold. They got a lot of young guys to play. Like they, <laughs> they're filled with a bunch of dudes who need to play ball. From great, you know, Cole Anthony, Banchero starting, obviously the Wagner brothers, Bull Bull, Mo Bamba, Jonathan Isaac, Gary Harris is now healthy. So they got like ten to eleven guys that Jamal Mosley needs to play. And there you have Terrence Ross, who's about to turn thirty-two. Um sitting there kind of like not he hasn't had some he's had some dnps the last week so to me it could be a situation for a buyout in orlando and maybe uh if he has his eyes target on trying to compete for a championship obviously he's in his 10th year now we know terrence to he stuck it out in orlando for sure after his years in toronto uh but it might be time uh for a divorce and i'm not saying a, a bad one but it might be you know, he goes to the manager and says, listen, guys, I'm a free agent. You're not bringing me back. Um, get me somewhere I can try to win, win, win. you know, I, I put it, I, I've been around with, with you guys and helped your organization grow. But it looks like you saw, I mean, you've seen them beat the Celtics three times in a row. The Magic are approaching that next step, you know, right? Like they're going to play their ass off, I'm sure, to, to try to get into that play-in. But they, have, they this year have taken that next step of, okay, we're not – uh, you know, we're not chumps anymore. Like, we're going to win. And they pushed the heat uh, to the brink in the fourth quarter the other night. So I think that's a guy they should target. Or I know they're looking, also looking for a third big man. Now, if you watch a Laker game, which you did, those Luke Cornett minutes are starting to get interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're putting him in key situations at times. He's not a real guy. Like, usually bigs are really good at finishing, Luke is not that guy. Luke's uncomfortable with just like, I'm going to slam it in your face. Usually seven-footers, that's what they do, right? You're the tallest guy in the court since you were 12 years old or whatever. You're good at stuffing it in a guy's face. Luke's a very hesitant finisher, and there was many instances in the Knicks game and the Lakers game where he had chances to finish and he passed it up. So the minutes for Luke are starting to get interesting to whereas you either hope he improves or tell him to be more aggressive or you try to get someone in there who could maybe fill that role a little bit with because you want to give Robert a, a break here and there. 
Um, and Al's 36 years old. So I think a wing position and a center position are what they're looking for. Now, what they have to offer is they have the Dennis Schroeder trade exemption of $5.9 million. They have another small trade exception, but they also have the d- contract of Danilo Gallinari. Now, is Gallinari going to be ready for the playoffs? Is he going to be re- – he's a player option for next year, so he could opt out. You know, uh, does he feel like, hey, I owe the Celtics something. I'm not going to just literally take their money and then opt out and go somewhere next year. Um, I'm going to come back. The question is for what what you do with him, and is he close, right? We've had a couple of guys like Ricky Rubio recently came back from an ACL tear, I think after after about eight months. So if you're the, the Celtics, will Gallinari be useful for the playoffs? If that's the case, he's kind of worth it, right? If he helps you push you to that next level, Warren gets you a championship, you hold on to him. If not, you can use his contract as a trade. He's got to opt out. Then he, then you know, the team gets salary cap relief. The Celtics get a player in. So that was would be what they would trade. I don't think the Yakupero thing is going to happen. I think he's just too high of a price. When you talk about ten, twelve million dollar contracts, then you're going to have to start giving up guys that are in your rotation. You know, Pritchard and let's say a Grant Williams. Pritchard, you know, what I'm saying like you're going to have to give up guys that are that have real value do you want to mess with your chemistry do you want to give up something to get something uh you know to be i think the buyout market might be the best for the celtics or a a, 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 a economical trade there are bigs out there like nerlens noel i mean guys out there that could literally help you in a role of a third big right um or in in the swingman position there are guys that will likely be bought out. We'll see. And if you, if you, you, you follow the league, Warren, what Toronto's going to do is going to be very, very, very interesting because they got some guys, um, you know, who could be available, um, you know, like a guy like Thad Young, you know, uh, who's obviously seems like he's been in the league for 20 years, but it, yeah. uh, he's been around a long time, but he's a vet. So I think guys like in that genre, that category, like cheap veterans will be available. Um, especially in the buyout market. So look, it might come after February 9th or whatever when guys start getting bought out. But I think a wing position and a center position is what they're looking to fill. Because as you've seen, um, Jason is wearing getting worn out. Yep. And so is Jalen. And you need a guy to give them some, some relief. And I think, unfortunately, for the Celtics, the Sam Hauser thing isn't working out like a – as much as they they would like, you know, he's a guy who's, who's six seven six eight. You now he's not your traditional three and D guy at all, but he's a guy who can shoot, and you know he's getting a lot of open looks, and he's not knocking them down. And he's been, at, I think he's, uh, I did the numbers since November. He's at twenty nine percent from three. So this is now a prolonged slump. Like this is yeah. this is almost two months, Warren. So can you count on him? The hope that the, the shots start going down is something mechanical. Um, you know, can he help you down the stretch? Because I think that's now a question that Brad Stevens and the brass need to ask themselves. Like, okay, like um, we got Derek White. Derek's up and down, I believe, just as my personal opinion. I think Derek's solid but not spectacular. But Hauser's a guy I think they kind of thought would be their version of a Max Struess 
or a Duncan Rock guy come up, boom, 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 you know, three, three. Yeah, and they said, you know, it just hasn't been the case uh, since November. Uh, So I think to fill that spot, I personally would try to see, kick the tires on Terrence Ross. I think he'd be perfect. I think he's a guy still have great athleticism. As you remember, a former dunk contest winner, a guy who has kind of languished in Orlando for years. I mean, he's, I'm sure he loves it down there. You live in sunny Florida, you know, it's a great place to live and all that. But I think he's probably saying to himself, okay, Terrence, like I gotta, I gotta get back to pass the first round here, man. I want to do something here. So it might be time that he might be available. You know, I like I like what you said there, Gary. I think you know, and, and making things realistic for 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 Boston, um, because a guy, you know, I think even as you were before you were talking, I said, man, I was watching and you know, I thought about Orlando specifically. I think in some ways you're right; they're due for maybe not necessarily a consolidation trade, but maybe some sort of 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 parts that need to move away simply because they're heading in a different direction. So I was a little surprised, honestly, that they re-signed Bamba you know, in the off season, knowing that they were going to have Isaac and, and obviously they were still kind of enamored with Wendell Carter, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, man, Bamba could be somebody that I know Miami's kicking tires on or have, has some interest in. And I was like, well, if, if that's the case, can you get in there? Cause he's only owed 10 million or 20 million or whatever the case would be for the next two years. So 10 each, you know, I think it's a, it's a, it's a movable contract, so to speak. And I'd love to see if Boston could get into that, but Orlando is a team, I think in general, as you're alluding to maybe a team to watch as you alluded to Toronto as well. Chicago, I don't think any of what Chicago would be giving is within Boston's, you know, proverbial wallet right now, um, unless yeah. they were to maybe wave Andre Drummond um, and do you bring him in as again, as you're alluding to kind of that third big, but obviously not stretchy in any capacity, you know, well, so he'll just get your rebounds. I mean, he, yeah. I mean, obviously he's a, he's a, he's a rebound machine. The other guy too, Warren, that I think is best case scenario is PJ Washington from Charlotte. Now the question is Charlotte is another team to look out for is, PJ is in that Grant Williams situation. He did not get the rookie extension. Mm-hmm. So he'll be, he makes, I think, of literally three and a half million or whatever. Being the Hold on. Let me, let me interrupt you real quick, though, though. So in addition to Grant Williams, do you feel like PJ Washington would be an upgrade over what Grant Williams provide? Can they coexist? Yeah, that's a good question. Like, now, do you, do you, like, does Charlotte have any interest in Grant? Do you do you make that's a real risky deal because you like Grant? He's part of the chemistry, but I think PJ's a little bit bigger, a little bit taller, can shoot from the three, and can add to that wing kind of position. That's best case scenario. He's young. I mean, I saw him last week in Charlotte. He had twenty five against the Celtics. Like this guy can score. He's he's a tweener though. You know, in, in Charlotte, you don't know what they're doing down there. I mean. They're still, I said, they got another year of Gordon Hayward. They got three more years of uh, Terry Rozier. They got to save all their quarters for the LaMelo ball extension. Um, and then, you know, and then I think a guy who has kind of come, come on strong is Jaden uh, McDaniels, who had 26 points against the Celtics in that, that game that Tatum at 51. And he's a guy, second-round pick under their control. I think he makes like $4 million over the next, like that dude, you're not, you know, I've seen rumors of moving him and, and people on Charlotte are like, why the hell would we move that guy? Homegrown, second round pick, and he doesn't make any money. I mean, that would be, you know, now I know that I know he's uh I think unfortunately, I think he just finished his deal. I'm sorry, he's a free agent, but I think if you're Charlotte, you you can't sign both Washington and McDaniels. 
I think you got to choose one. And I, I think McDaniels is the one they're going to probably choose. So I do think he might be available. But if you're the Hornets, you got to ask for a first round pick for the guy. Like you can't, you can't do the Hachimura deal and move him for uh, Kendrick Nunn in three seconds. Like I think Charlotte says we're going to get a little bit greedy here. So um, I think that's best case scenario. Then if you're Celtics, do you sign him as a restricted free agent next year? Do you choose him over Grant? Now you can figure all that out. And, you know, as uh, on a Whit Grusbeck said on the uh, Celtics pregame show, like we're going all in this year. And that's a big deal for a, for a team that doesn't really like to be in the luxury tax warren. Yeah. And but they I think they realize looking at the east, looking at the west, like this is the year. There's no great team in the NBA. Not even the Celtics are not a great team. They're, they're a very good team. Right. Have a chance to win 60 games, all that. They're not a great team. They can get great, but they do have a chance to win the championship this year because as you as you follow the league just as much as I do, there are no great teams in the league this year. We we've seen if Denver's the best, Denver kind of Lost it, you know, at Philadelphia the other day. Had a fourth quarter lead, fifteen point lead early in the fourth and or late in the third and blew it. If that's the best, Memphis just broke a five game losing streak. Yeah. Uh, New Orleans is New Orleans. I think now has lost eight in a row. Uh, is back down to like seventh. So all these teams were like, oh, here they come. The Clippers, you know, are so up and down. So I think if you're the Celtics, this is the year you go for it. Yeah, yeah, I think those are great points. Again, as always, Gary Washburn here, I believe in Celtics, you know, and I think when we look at the stock of the league, Charlotte is one of those teams that should be like, as we said before, getting into the women Yama sweepstakes. So you got to start figuring out what that looks like. And do you start selling off those parts in essence to be able to do just that? Um, I feel like the Spurs may be looking at some some options as well, but their asking price seems to be pretty astronomical. You know, and some of these other teams, they don't I've heard some some rumors about Houston. Um, you know, maybe looking to move some of their guys, um, like was it Tate and Martin and guys like that too. Okay, yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, people people who can help you, so to speak. But um, for a team like Boston, I don't know if it puts you over the edge, but it at least gives you another roster roster spot and guys who can maybe eat up some minutes. So I don't think if you're if you're the Celtics, you could be thinking about anything grandiose, right? And you don't really necessarily need that, but you you want something that's consistent that doesn't upset what is now a very good locker room. Um, yes. you know. And, and you want to make sure that you continue that same energy as well, too. So understanding that Tatum and Brown are the alphas in the room, especially when it comes to scoring and, and getting the ball. Marcus Smart is kind of the spiritual leader, et cetera, et cetera. And everybody kind of has a role to play in that, too. So Celtics should be very, very busy here. Um, so I think this is a great, great, great start here on, on Washburn's Whispers. Again, working title. Um, and we'll, we'll go ahead and take a quick break here on Believe in Celtics. Brought to you, I bet, online, man. Good stuff, Gary. Good stuff. And on this week's edition of Dino Time here on Believe in Celtics, brought to you by Ben Online, we're going to be discussing the Celtics, how they fared in rivalry week, and then going into a little bit of a preview for the for the games to come. So one in three during the rivalry week, G. Um, I thought, I honestly, we didn't do predictions. I thought they were going to go two and two, thought they would have beat the Lakers, and I thought they were going to beat Orlando simply because 
they were due <laughs> they needed to beat orlando but the magic seemed to have you know no pun intended a little bit of a spell over over the celtics team and thankfully they don't have to see them again for the rest of the season but um lost orlando lost at um lost at miami short shorthanded so you mean not everybody was available for all of these games so that's something to be considered um nick game you know some free throws etc cetera, etc cetera, wasn't the best but the knicks have been playing pretty decent basketball and then the controversy you've heard around the world, you know, with that, with that Lakers game. So your quick thoughts here on kind of the week in kind of in general, and then obviously we'll spend a little bit more time talking about that Lakers game specifically. Yeah, Warren, I felt like it was a disappointing week for the franchise. And the, like, you know, the whole thing is, well, they were shorthanded against Miami, but you're up 10 early in the fourth quarter. You The defense is playing fantastic ball against Miami, and then they just stopped scoring. And then – for whatever reason, they forgot how to defend Bam out of bio. Mm. I think the key to that game, you really look back at it, and this is what I mean by like a guy like Sam Hauser, like Haywood Highsmith, who's kind of a wingman, shooter, D guy, comes and hits two really big threes to, to cut the lead from 10 to 4. And suddenly you're like, uh-oh, if you're a Celtic fan, like this is now – basically a two possession game and we got and then the Celtics obviously stopped scoring so that sparked a 15 nothing run and then I was just kind of like if people would point to the timeout Missoula didn't call when Tatum kind of dribbled the damn clock down and then kind of panicked and tried to throw a cross court pass to Grant and was intercepted by Hero and and I I don't I'm you know and I've been hard on Missoula about his timeouts and should he have called one? Yes. I felt like Tatum needed to attack the basket to the free throw line. It says we're in the bonus. Um, just make it happen. Try to force overtime. I was more annoyed uh, just watching uh, as, as the whole, the, that final shot by Bam out of bio, who literally just had Peyton Pritchard on him. Like mm-hmm. they blitzed hero who was four for 19 and let, Adebayo, who is a very good mid-range shooter, like that's his spot. Now, if you ask him 19 or 20, nah. But if you ask him 15 to 17, that's his sweet spot, right at the free throw line. And he's he's got like literally Peyton Pritchard going, you know, hey, like (laughs) trying to distract him. And a 6'9 guy against a 6'1 guy and easy hoop, bucket. And I was a little bit more – annoyed by that defensive possession than I was the Tatum timeout. I thought, yeah, it wasn't a great play. Tatum panicked. First of all, you have Robert coming over and setting the pick. And then so Tatum doesn't want to pass to Robert 25 feet from the basket because you know Robert is not going to, A, dribble the ball and take a little short jumper. Right. (laughs) Like Adebayo probably would. And, B, he's not going to shoot it from there, so he's going to look to pass. Um, so now you've got 11 seconds or whatever, and you've got a dude, you've got to pass to a guy who needs to pass to another guy. What he should have done, I felt, is I saw the replay, and hey, that's the the, the value, uh, loyal, luxury replay is throw it over the double team to Derek White. Derek, who did not have a good fourth quarter but had a good game, would have had an open three to maybe put him ahead. And, and, and that's probably the best thing you could have hoped for at that point. He tried to get Grant in the corner. I was more, as I said, distressed by the defensive possession, then breaking down defensively, kind of letting Adebayo have anything he wanted. And, you know, maybe you can answer this. Like, I thought that was what Robert Williams was for, 
Like Robert mm-hmm. Wayne's played in that game and Robert couldn't do anything against like I thought that's what he was like, where's the resistance from Robert Williams or where's the positioning where you're like, okay, Robert, like make it tough on this guy. Yeah. You know, like I didn't see that. That was to me, you let your big Miami's big get 30 points against a guy who's considered one of the best defensive bigs in the league. Right. Like what happened there? And so I was a little bit more the Orlando game. They couldn't hit shots. Tatum got completely out of rhythm when he left the game and came back. He couldn't save him. Nobody else was making shots. It was a Jalen Jason show. Like I said, I think the next highest score was this Hauser at 13. Like that's when they needed Derek white. That's when they needed. And then Brogdon didn't play. So like they needed guys to step up Peyton or Brock, sorry, uh, white or whatever. And, and none of those guys, Horford, nobody stepped up else stepped up offensively. And I think that hurt him against Orlando And the next game. I think they were bad offensively. They were able to make a comeback, but then the Knicks hit some tough shot. Like, you know, they did <laughs> Julius Randle hit five threes. Um, Jalen missed the free throws. Yes. Uh, but their offense, I thought in overtime was choppy. Uh, they had the league. They had a chance to make it. I think they had the ball two to three times when they were up five points in overtime and then they didn't score. And then here comes Randall with that like step back 28 foot three. And then that's a two point game. And you're like, okay, they're not going to pull away here. So I thought that I was disappointed in the loose streak, not for the fact of, um, you know, they w- w- would they have lost a game full strength? Probably not. But just the circumstances, now you got a chance to win those two games. Orlando, throw that out. Okay, you lost. Right. Miami and New York were games that they should have won. Yeah. You know, and so I think when you're in the game and you should win, then all bets are off. You can't say, you can't blame the shorthanded. Miami didn't have Jimmy Butler, right? So, and, and Tyler Hero was bad now. Tyler Hero hit a couple of shots down the stretch, which, you know, he came through, but he had a bad night. So, uh, I didn't like the Miami game, especially. Yeah, I, it was again. It was a, a lessons banner and stellar week, you know, from this Celtics team. And I think it's funny because I had to go back and rewatch some of them. Wasn't able to watch some of those games live, and you know, but I'm watching like on a game track. I'm like, they're up ten. Well, now they're they lost. <laughs> you know what I mean? So when I, yeah, when you go back and see the circumstances of it, you're just like, wow, that was you know, as, as I've been before. Yeah. They were dominating. Miami couldn't hit a shot. Then I I said those two back-to-back threes by Haywood Highsmith, and suddenly it was um, 87-83, and you're like, okay. And then then Adebayo got wild, went wild and got loose. And and that's the thing. You have to have the expectations. You should win that game. And and I thought, yeah, no, we didn't have Jalen and Brock. Of course, of course. You're shorthanded, but someone else has stepped up. Yeah. And I thought Derek White, who didn't score in the fourth quarter, um, Peyton Pritchard, who was just off that night, I think he was four for 14. Like, they had guys who tried but couldn't do it. And Grant didn't have much of an offensive presence. Um, and then Robert. I thought Robert, you know, played, but it was like, you go, you know, you can't let Adebayo just eat, eat all he wants. You know, you got to 
you got to put the hammer down a little bit on them, and that didn't yeah, happen. Yeah, so. you got to shut that water off for sure. And one of the things that they were doing so well at the beginning of the year was kind of winning no matter who was there. Um, you know, one, two guys being out, they were continuing to get those W's, and now starting to see some of those signs. And maybe it's fatigue. Maybe it's, hey, the all-star break is coming up. We're just, you know, trying to get here to get to the second half. Um, but for a team that has been very hyper-focused on wanting to send a message, whatever that may be in terms of the regular season or taking the regular season seriously. These are hiccups that in essence that you don't want to see. And then it gives you some pause and say, all right, well, are you deep enough? Are you focused enough? And I think even as you're alluding to is Missoula experienced enough to be able to handle some of these, you know, these situations and to get a team out of a proverbial rut in game. And as games are going on, kind of stringing some things together, where is the focus in the sense of quote unquote urgency? So let's take it to what we were already talking about a little bit in the beginning of the outset of, of that Los Angeles Laker game, you know, classic, classic, classic game. And, you know, we don't have to pull punches here. We know Tatum fouled LeBron at the end, at the end of that, no doubt about it. The referees admitted that's what happened. So the Celtics escaped. They did. They escaped. And what probably should have been an 0 four week, um, what were your thoughts and just kind of like, how has the team been, you know, surrounding that game? Um, or what's it even like being around a team knowing that they kind of got away with one? And is it just like, hey, that's how it goes sometimes? Because, you know, one time you're probably going to be on the other end of that. Totally. You kind of chalk it up. Um, or do you feel like a sense of like, hey, we got lucky. All right, well, let's, you know, let's try to build that momentum in some way as well, too. Yeah, there was a lot of like kind of like, hey, that's the way the game goes. And they had, you know, the Lakers had overtime to win it. And you got the best you player did. in the world. Um, you got the one of the two best players ever to play the game. The guy's about to break a scoring record on the floor in overtime, and the Lakers blew it. You know, they didn't, you know, and they had Anthony Davis. You know, I thought the key component of that was there was a lot of Russ, Russell Westbrook in that sequence. Remember the flagrant foul? And you're like, okay, and then um, he comes back and tries to shoot a corner three or whatever, and it was just kind of like the Lakers kind of lost their way in overtime. And, and you know, I, I think it was like, one thing that struck me about what LeBron said was like, hey, they played their best game, one of the best games of the year. And that's not the first time I've heard that other teams. Like the Celtics honestly weren't, as we've talked about, and it sounds like a cliche and excuse, but they're getting a lot of teams' best shots because yeah. LeBron said that was the best, one of the best games we played all year. You know, they were they were solid. They were good defensively very much throughout the game. Darvin Ham's teams will defend. They can't shoot for, for the Dickens. And then Patrick Beverly looked like Steph Curry out there. I mean, every time they left him open, you you saw that. It was like, wait a minute, Pat Bev with five threes or whatever it was. Those things are frustrating. Yeah, frustrating. including that one in the final minute where, I mean, he just – he couldn't miss. And then that tip dunk. I mean, you're tip. like, this is, this is their, this is <laughs> yeah. their night. And this, I think his first dunk in three years. I mean, this is their night. And then all of a sudden things went, kind of went haywire and the three-point play – Delayed call on, you know, when Patrick Beverly hit Jalen, he had hit him in the head. It was a delayed call. It was, you know, it was not a great night for the officials. But I think it was the Celtics. Listen, you're going to get one of these, and you're going to probably have one or two be on the other side of that, the losing side. Uh, damn it, they should have called that. Damn it, I got fouled. Uh, you know, we we've seen them off before over the years. Uh, and you just take it and you move on. You hope, you know, it's better than a better than a loss. What you didn't want, Warren, was a loss of the Lakers and then three full days off to stew over a four-game losing streak. Yeah. I mean, what could you I mean? That's just not then Brooklyn coming in with Kyrie playing well. Then you're like, okay, there's no guarantee. 
It could be five and then Phoenix. You don't know what they're going to bring. Sit, you know, you don't know. Yeah. You, you, you want to break these skids, however, it, by any means necessary. The Celtics did enough in overtime to, you know, to take it home. Um, you know, I thought them coming back after, I think, falling behind by nine or ten in the, in the third quarter, that showed a lot of resilience. Same with the Knicks game. You know, they they are playing better down the stretch now. You know, could their could they have some better possessions? Uh, yeah, for sure. But I think the, their ability to rally and come back and never give up, I think, is a good thing. So even in the Knicks game, you know, they were able to come back. I think an eighteen to four run, and they they had the Knicks on the ropes and didn't finish it off. But I think in the Laker game. You got to take those sometimes. You know what? It wasn't, you know, some of well, LeBron traveled before he, when he's driving to the basket. Yeah, it looked like he did. He got the kind of the gather step, then two to three mm-hmm. full steps or whatever. So, yeah, but so you can call anything. But I think you're the Celtics. You walk away with this, feel a little bit fortunate, but understanding that sometimes the breaks do go your way. Yeah. yeah. And again, that and you need that. And, you know, I think it's you need a little bit of luck. You need health. And if you're ultimately going to be, you know, an NBA champion. And um, I think it's just, it's, it's soul crushing in a way for the Lakers because they at a point where they do need every game, you know, a one game, that one game could mean the play in for them or not the play in for them when, when things come down to it. So that's maybe a little dramatic, but I think that's how, in essence, how they're feeling right now, because, you know, they're obviously not as good as they want to be. And then obviously beating Boston would just be a great feather in their cap, you know, you know, kind of capping off the season, especially after the way the first game went. So, so I think there's it, you look at it, Warren, like they're giving LeBron and AD the rest against the net. So they're like the whole like, well, we need every game and every game is That's a great point. You're fighting for our lives here is not when you give you, you've had a day off, you know, and you still give because you want to because well, Tuesday's game, TNT, the Knicks, MSG. So they're like, well, we might as well play LeBron and AD in that one. And we'll just give them the night off. So, really, what are we doing here? The same with the Clippers. The Clippers win at Atlanta on Saturday. Then well, get shellacked. <laughs> yeah. And then go to Cleveland and go, okay, Paul, okay, Kawhi, take the day off. Like, you know, every game, obviously, for every franchise is not as critical. So, some this whole, like, well, the Lakers need every game. If they did, which they do, which they do, they would not, they would rest one or not the other. If you're right. going to rest, you know, okay, you want to rest Braun, then don't rest AD, who literally, like, like you don't want to play him in a back-to-back. You don't want to play Braun in a back-to-back. Okay, so, and you're picking, like, you pick them because it's TNT and you don't want to hear from the league on Tuesday. It's a lot of, you know, yeah, interesting things. Because yeah. it's not like the Nets are a, a, not, a, not a marquee game. You're playing Kyrie and the guys and Ben Simmons and those guys and Barclays. That's that's a game that's, I think, a kind of a marquee game too, right? I mean, so I don't – the whole like, well, we need every game, and that was critical. And Well, come down to those games where you gave guys load management and think come back come back then and say, I mean, what you got to say to that? Yeah. All I'm going to say is maybe uh, Darvin Ham is like it's a, it was an emotional loss and we need some more time to heal <laughs> because I, did, I don't understand it either. I said ex- exactly what you just said. I was like, they're going to rest both of them versus Brooklyn? 
all right, well, you know, that's your business. Go ahead, LA, do your thing. So um, let's go ahead and transition from rivalry week. And, you know, as we're talking about Brooklyn, that's actually the next game on the Celtics schedule. So let's talk a little bit about that. Brooklyn comes to Boston for the first time this year, right? Yeah, Boston mm -hmm. played at Brooklyn, you know, the previous two. Got the W's there. As you alluded to a little while ago, Kyrie is hooping. <laughs> he is hooping. Uh, no idea where, what the state will be with Ben Simmons out. Um, against the Lakers game, against the Lakers. Um, it was out the previous game as well, too. Got yeah, some knee soreness, knee soreness yeah. going right. on there. Um, what's your thoughts there, you know, kind of on that Brooklyn game coming into into to Boston? Um, obviously, always exciting when Kyrie's going to interact with those fans. But with the way he's playing right now, I don't think any of that's going to get into his head. Don't think we'll see any birds flipping off to the crowd or anything like that, too. Although he'll, be, he'll definitely be called some choice names. Uh, but I think he's just going to hoop. And uh, they've been getting... I mean, immense, immense production out of Nick Claxton. Uh, just your thoughts there on Brooklyn and that game with Boston coming up this week. Yeah, another tough one, Warren. I think, you know, Kyrie playing well. And I think, obviously, they've lost to the Celtics twice, both times, I want you know, by double digits. Like, the, the yeah. Celtics have spanked them pretty much twice now in Brooklyn. I think they probably have a, a readjusted game plan, and they they, they they go hard in this one. I think Jock Vaughn's a competitive guy. He'll come up, try to come up with a play, game plan. And Claxton to me, and you could maybe bring up Laurie Marketing. I don't I think Laurie was already kind of there in terms of like a pretty good player who's now turned into a very good player. But Nick Claxton, the most improved player candidate for me, big time. I mean, this is a guy who was kind of like, you know, I mean, he was it was like, well, DeAndre Jordan, he was losing minutes to DeAndre Jordan and then last year. Uh, you know, he missed 11 free throws. Remember that that closeout game against the Celtics yeah. in the playoffs? And he was kind of a guy who looked like he was, might have been off injured, kind of flaky, you know. And this year, I mean, he has stepped up and been a good defensive player and scoring at the rim, you know, 50% free throws. Okay, he could improve on that. But he's a guy I think most improved player candidate for sure. Should be on the ballot for sure. Yeah. Uh, a guy I might vote for. But – I think very tough game, very tough game. Brooklyn spanked the Knicks the, the other night you know, with, with Kyrie going. Where you got, you know, Royce O'Neal, uh, Joe Harris always hits threes, plays well. Yep, Seth, Seth Curry. Um, so, you know, you have guys, you know, we'll see if, if, if Simmons is, is available. But, I mean, this is a very tough game. And so the Celtics got to take this seriously. Three days off, so that's good. Nurse some. We'll see what if Marcus uh, is able to come back for that game. Uh, you know, Robert Williams is, is you know obviously he didn't play against the Lakers. Yeah. Is he ready after kind of tweaking his ankle against the Knicks? Like we'll see. Are they how how healthy they are? We'll find out on Tuesday how healthy they are. But um, I think a really tough, rugged game. Expect a, a real war, a war yeah. in, a, in, in terms of sports terms. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, the rebounding battle will be huge, especially with Claxton playing the way that he is. So whether Robert Williams is available or not, you know, Horford, Tatum, even Grant Williams, everybody in Cornette and whatever minutes he gets, they're going to have to keep Claxton off the board, especially offensively. Um, we don't want them getting, you know, second possessions and getting him or Kyrie even second looks specifically. Um, you know, so I, I think I agree there. Uh, you want to continue to kind of have your foot on their neck a little bit, you know, especially if you can, you know, 
secure the the season series against them you know three games and i know they'll play them a fourth time as well uh, but just kind of let that like hey no we still got this even if they don't have especially since they don't have kd you definitely want to be able to get get that w so for me like i said it's a little bit of a play on words because i think it is it is a kind of an extension of rivalry week because of even the celtics the Kyrie history there and then trans transitioning to later in the week against the phoenix suns boston has shellacked the Phoenix Suns the last two times that they've seen yeah. them. Um, and, you know, the Suns are a little bit down on their luck, but starting to put it together a little bit better now that Chris Paul has been back. Um, I don't believe, well, I think the last report I saw that Booker was supposed to be reevaluated. I, I don't imagine he'd be available for that yeah. game against Boston. Yeah, I don't um, think so. But, you know, what are your thoughts there, just in terms of, like, even Phoenix after being, again, they've been embarrassed by the Celtics the last two times they've met. Yeah, another dangerous team. Like, another dangerous team. With Chris Paul, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson's back. He did not play in the yeah. first meeting. DeAndre Ayton, they, they were able to really neutralize and limit him in that first meeting. So another team that obviously I don't think is a great road team yet, and I think that they're still trying to find themselves. But, you know, I think another team that's got championship medal, went to the finals. I mean, that's another dangerous game. There's no cupcakes here. No cupcakes. Uh there's no got teams laying down. We went watch Charlotte. Charlotte came back and beat Miami on Sunday. Um, you got teams now that are that are just you know if you come in and you take a team lightly, they'll bite you in the butt. Even the remember Detroit won at Brooklyn last week. I mean you know this is a league now where and we saw when the Celtics oh they got two against Orlando that's two dubs no problem and they lost both so they have to take it very seriously and I think. Try to finish it. Then you got a game at Detroit, you know, and then and then you got a little little cush. I think Charlotte comes in. So if you're able to get over these two games, you got a little bit quote unquote of a break, a little bit of the lesser teams, but you got to keep stacking the dubs. If you look at the Eastern Conference standings now, here comes Philadelphia. They're coming on strong, nine straight wins. Milwaukee is playing well. Brooklyn's in there. So their lead, remember, was I think last week before the losing was up to five games. Now it's down to two and a half. I think it's two uh, uh, Philly now. So uh, here comes the Sixers. And remember, they meet three more times, uh, yeah. you know. You feel like you wish you would have had some of these out of the way already. Yeah, nope. yeah. They played them on opening <laughs> night and haven't played them since. So yep. three more matchups against the Sixers, two in Philly. So it's, it's going to be a good, you know, it's going to be a, you know, interesting, uh, you know, next couple of weeks, obviously. And the Celtics need to stack as many wins as possible yeah gary i think uh, as always you know as we talk about the celtics team you know they cannot rest on their laurels nothing is going to be given to them and i think the point we, we made earlier and we've talked about it all season they are going to get everybody's best shot so there is like even especially there's no laying down for them um then nothing is going to be granted or given to them especially you know after them going to the finals everyone and feels like they also have a chance here because you know they're looking at boston and saying yeah they're they're they are all right but are they real really i think that's what it boils down to yeah. and i think everyone is taking that same stock and hence why a lot of chatter is going around in the in the trade market we'll see what boston is ultimately able to do here you know in that aspect if anything if more of the buyout is going to be more of their situation um but again a rough 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 stretch of games here um, and hopefully they'll be able to figure some things out to get some W's here and stack them up and keep the 776ers at bay because, yeah, man, that game and me just, I mean, I, at all levels. <laughs> it was it was all yeah. levels. He, he cooked Jokic, and yeah. uh, 
that's that's not somebody who I think any any team is looking forward to matching up against here down the stretch um, as long as he can stay healthy. Uh, so I think that's a great place to wrap here. Uh, Gary, as always, giving us the butter goods here on the Boston Celtics. Definitely, you know, one of the greater follows on, on Twitter. Make sure you follow him at G Washburn Globe. Um, you know, he's at the games, he's at the practices, he's at the shoot arounds, he's traveling with the squad. Like, you know, follow Gary, man, because he 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 got it popping. And you can definitely follow me on Twitter at Shaw Sports NBA as well, too. So that'll do it for this week's edition of Believe in Celtics brought to you by Bet Online. Whew, rivalry week concluded or maybe extended. We'll see. We'll catch y'all next week here on Believe in Celtics. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.